0: Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I am having a wonderful guest. Her name is Tash Hanum, And we are excited to have her for our podcast today. But before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book, which is A Gift from Adversity. This is available on on Amazon and it's published in 2020. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying and Homelessness. And I've experienced these adversities growing up in Japan. And it was very difficult to overcome them. And I felt very compelled to tell my story through my publication. But not only that, after I published my book, a lot of people told me about their adversities and I realized that it's a calling for me to create this podcast and it's been wonderful. I've had over 50 um, episodes so far from so many people sharing their very difficult stories but it's very empowering to hear how they overcame their adversities and guests are from all over the world and today is also. I have an international guest. I'm very excited to have her. So let's introduce tonight's guest. Hi, Tash. How are you
1: doing? Hello, Jury. Thank you for having me on your show today. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Absolutely. Can you please tell our audience your name and where you're from, where you're located and what you do?
1: Sure. So um, my name is Tash um, and I'm actually based in Australia. So in the west coast of Australia at the moment in the beautiful southwest. So down near the Margaret River wine region. Some of you might have heard of the wine from that area and the surf. So right near the coast. Um, I was actually born on a little island. In the Pacific, which many of you probably haven't heard of, it's called New Way and it forms part of the Polynesian Islands. So, um, Fiji is probably another one that's more commonly known. New Way is one of the smaller nations within that Polynesian pocket. Um, I was born there, but I've lived in Australia most of my life. That's where my dad's from. Um, but my mum is is from Newway. so I'm looking forward to taking my children back there soon to spend some extended time and and learn to learn that side of the culture. And I'm an intuitive coach. Um, I have a niche working with women. And that's a real passion of mine, and it's based on my own journey and my own um, path that I fell into, which we'll talk about uh, later on. And so my passion really is just working with women, supporting them in, on their hurt healing journey and empowering them and giving them the tools to do that. And I think just in terms of being able to find me, that was the other thing that you asked, Juri? Was it just where to find me? Um, so,
0: yeah, Tash, if you have a social media handle, a uh, website that you can share with our audience that will be great.
1: Yeah. So I actually started out writing a blog, um, which is why my handle is called at Tash Diaries. And you can find me on the main social media platform. So Tash Diaries is through Facebook, through Instagram, and actually my website is tashdiaries.blog. So I'm very active on the socials and um, love to chat to different people and hear their story. And so reach out anytime you want to get in touch.
0: Wonderful. So let's dive into our pe- main topic, which is the adversity. So can you please tell our audience, what was your adversity? Yes.
1: Yeah, so um, it's funny when you you think about adversity and um, I've heard some of your other interviews and people don't always recognize at the time that that's what's happening. It's just that you're in the moment and um, it's only after the fact when people start to show an interest in your story that you realise, oh, okay, this is this is what's happened. And it is a gift. Um, it's interesting that my adversity started about three or four years ago after the birth of my third child. And um, I started to get very sick and the doctors couldn't work out what was going wrong with me. It started with just mild tenderness in my feet, some swelling, some pain. Um, It was in specific areas. And then gradually it started to take over my whole body. And I got to a point of um, where I was losing weight. They couldn't get me to put on weight. My hair was falling out. Um, I was having night sweats. And um, I was barely able to function. So all my physical um, abilities were just taken away from me. And it was a very dark time because I've always been very active. Um, I go out, I do a lot of things um, and I... I like to, um, you know, be able to do things, move around and also like having my children, which I've got one with me now, I'm very sorry, Drury, um, He's <laughs> going to join us. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just realising that I didn't have that ability to just do what I'd always like to do, being able to move around. And when the doctors couldn't work out what was wrong, we started to get, you know, quite concerned So I was sent for a whole bunch of tests, um, all these tests I'd never heard of before. And in the end, they said they were looking for cancer. So that's what what I was faced with. What it actually ended up being was that my autoimmune system had somehow been triggered by the pregnancy or the birth of my third child. And that um, it had just got to a point where it was so out of control that they thought something um, additional was happening in my body. Hang on a minute. Baby. So, um, yeah, so there was a big, a big grief journey for me to realise that a lot of the things that I took for granted, being able to walk, being able to drive my car, being able to lift my baby out of the cot, um, not being able to breastfeed anymore. Um, lots of these things were stripped from me. And it was quite a lonely time. Um, it was also during the height of the COVID lockdowns um, in, in Perth in Western Australia. So people weren't able to come and visit and provide assistance. Uh, so it was really a lot of time um, <laughs> going inward. And, um, you know, and it was really through that pain that I had the opportunity to learn, yeah, more about myself and, um, and recognise that Perhaps some of these other identities that I'd held on to for so long weren't actually, they were sort of um, blocking, I suppose, or hiding what was my true purpose. <clears throat> so a few years on, um, after some initial resistance to going on the medications and getting the help that I needed, I was very stubborn and I wanted to breastfeed. That was a big thing. and It was a big battle with the specialists to get me to go on some of these medications and um, I'm now on my healing journey and and really that's, that's where I've landed now in terms of continuing to heal myself but wanting to support others to heal. And it started with my blog. So it's interesting you talked about your book and how just by sharing your story that alone started to open up those conversations. And for me the blog was about being able to come to terms with what was going on in my world um, and then people, I started to pub- publish it um, publicly and people would reach out to me and say oh I have this autoimmune condition and people don't understand what chronic pain's like and suddenly and that's really how my whole journey evolved to find this new purpose
0: I'm on now. Well thank you so much for sharing that and a lot of people do not realize the complication of pregnancy and aftermath of pregnancy during miscarriage. All these topics are really shy away to be talked openly. So I'm very glad that you started blogging. And then I'm sure that blogging um had helped a lot of people as well because I had a very complicated pregnancy, the second one. And there are two miscarriages in between, which one almost took my life. And after my second uh child's uh delivery it was horrible. I almost died after like maybe four days after my daughter was born. But even during the pregnancy, I had a pinched nerve, I had shingles twice, and uh, placenta previa, a lot of things went wrong. And then people don't realize that how much of the tolls the women carry. And then, you know, even like, you know, before, after, during, it's very, very not easy. <laughs> it's, it's not like ordinary thing to just have a baby and it be easy so were you, before this condition were you completely healthy and everything was fine
1: um i believe tracing back that i actually developed this autoimmune condition after my second birth but what happened was that i have a small number of symptoms and then they, what they explained to me later is that I effectively went into remission, as they call it. And so I was asymptomatic; I didn't have any issues. And I basically thought, oh, it was just a niggling thing. They were, they did a bunch of tests initially, and they were looking at Ross River virus and a few different other um, conditions. And then when they couldn't find anything consistent, and that is the tricky thing about autoimmune conditions—they have markers, you know—they have, um, they look at your blood levels, and then they sort of look at a spectrum and they kind of try and put a line in the sand as to where you might fit. And if you don't neatly fit sort of one of the definitions that they already know, um, they find it hard to diagnose you. And, and already since since having the third child and then the symptoms really coming back and not going away on their own, um, in fact, getting worse and worse, they, they really struggled. Even then with all of the markers and everything that was going on and clearly how unwell I was, they still struggled to actually put me in a box. And that's something that I hear from a lot of other autoimmune sufferers or um, warriors, as I like to call us, that they you know, they don't fit in a neat box. And I think that sometimes in the medical world, especially the Western medicine world, they don't like that. They want you to be able to fit, you know, I tick this box. Um, But yeah, absolutely. It's something that started, started then, but I think really worsened um, after I had my third. So, and I think for me, part of that journey was that I had a lot of resistance around the idea of what I considered selfish, which was getting, getting, um, medication and getting help. Um, because that meant it would detriment my baby because at that point in time, he was only sort of six months and then eight months. And then finally by 12 months old, I had to give up sort of the the feeding and, and go on these medications that I had a lot of resistance to. So I probably could have got help sooner, but, um, yeah i just i struggled with the idea of putting myself ahead of my children, which I know a lot of mums and being a mum yourself you would be able to identify with that struggle and that guilt and I still carry that still carry that
0: you know it's interesting Tash um I had a shingles i i told you a pinched nerve, and you know i could take i could have took i could have taken pain medication during the pregnancy, but I was very very afraid what would happen to my uh, baby inside by taking this strong pain medication. So I took the pain, not the painkiller. <laughs> and she's healthy, so I think it's worth it because those times, say, even breastfeeding, like, you you just don't know, like, what's the effect from the medication. And then to me, um, taking the pain was much like, you know, it, it was awful. But I really felt the consequence of what if, like, I take this medication and ease my pain, but what if that would affect my baby for her whole life? And, like, that is I can emphasize with you. And not being a stubborn, but just a love for your baby and no, knowing the side effect and the long-term effect of someone's life versus you probably can tolerate the pain, however, it's very painful. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I can recall and then kind of empathize with you.
1: Yes. And I also experienced a couple of miscarriages. Um, it's something else that I blogged about because I think that's another topic that – Um, society doesn't always want to hear about. And mine were um, predominantly early miscarriages, um, which in some ways, you know, you can't really compare, you know, one experience to another. But I think sometimes with an early miscarriage, the medical community and even people around you will say, oh, you know, well, you weren't that far along or um, wasn't meant to be. And there's all these sort of I guess, helpful things that people try to say to help you to deal with your grief. But at the end of the day, you've still had that, you know, beginning of a life and at whatever point it's got to, um, it's almost like you're not allowed to grieve that. And so I like to talk about it and be quite open because I think there's a lot more women and we know statistically there's a lot more women that experience miscarriage than what you would know. And some don't always know they've had the miscarriage, but I think there's also a lot of women who, are afraid to talk about it, and particularly um, when they're young, you know, when it's when it's early in the pregnancy, um, it almost just gets a bit dismissed, like, oh well, you know, and let's just move on. So I think creating space for women to grieve and feel that feeling wherever they are in the pregnancy. Um, that it, that that it's okay and so again that's been part of my journey has been just opening that dialogue and yeah and sharing my sharing my experience um everyone's different of course
0: thank you so much for sharing that and again miscarriage is something that again it's very hard to talk about not only just not so much platform but also it's so heavy on you when something dies inside of you i I just uh, remember the uh, ultrasound was like heartbeat was 80 and the doctor said, you're going to probably miscarry and take this pill. I'm like, no way, the heartbeat is still there. It might pick up, but it died and it just stopped. And then that ultrasound and then they didn't tell me the result and they asked me to go home. They wanted me to make sure I'm at home and safe. they called me and then they said you know we couldn't find a heartbeat so you have to do dnc so you know i still remember that so you know it's just so hard but i'm very happy that um you feel okay to talk about it and then blog about it because i think those talks um should be able to be supported and heard and then the reason why I started this podcast is to really normalize adversity talk and difficult conversations. So I really thank you Tash for coming in from Australia and I live in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And then yeah. um, even with the time difference, I just feel as a fellow mom and a woman that amount of risks that we carry to deliver a baby or um, have a baby um, in the process, it's just um, unbelievably hard. I mean, like, you know, it seems easy, but it can really come along with the complication.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you don't, I mean, you can't be... no one can explain to you the level and the the variety of different things that can go amiss with a pregnancy. And then even if you have a successful birth and you get to the, you know, you've got your baby in your arms and then you can have things like what happened with me where actually having the baby then triggers this response in your body that um, sends it out of control. So you just don't know. And everyone's so different. Um, and what they experience is different, but I think normalising these conversations where it's not just, you know, you get pregnant, you successfully carry the pregnancy and you have a healthy baby and you have a healthy straightforward birth, that to me is not the normal story. Uh, That's actually a special story. There's a lot more that usually goes on and the variety of different things that you carry. And I think some of the traumas that come from that um, if they're not talked about and if you don't facilitate that healing can really, um, really take hold and I think can play out in in later years. So uh, I'm definitely an advocate and really grateful that you're, you've you opened up this channel and allowing people to talk about all the different things that have happened or are happening in their worlds.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. So Tash, let's uh, move on to the second question, which are. Uh, Uh, which is the tools that you use to overcome this difficult situation that you faced and again this is something that i am very grateful for all the guests who who have shared the tools because a lot of times that people struggle for finding the tools and then what it is and then what works so in your case what are the best tools that you use to overcome the situation
1: Yeah. So this is a great um, opportunity to share. And I think mine, my process has been quite organic and really I have shared what has worked for me along my healing journey and I am nowhere near healed. I don't know if we're ever healed. I think it's always a journey. Um, But Certainly as I go along and I come into light with different things, I like to share them with my my audience. And so for me, a big part of what I do is actually working with people to reconnect them to their intuition. And just by way of explaining that, it's really about giving people that sense of connection back to themselves and knowing what's true for them, what serves them, what's in alignment for them. And then supporting them to take action towards that. And a lot of us, especially as we become adults, um, as children we're actually more naturally tuned into what's true for us. Um, as adults we get better at ignoring it, we get better at listening to what other people think, we get better at, um, you know, denying cues. And some of that is is stuff that it's actually life or death, you know, survival um, intuition that you need. But otherwise it's also just things that you can do to actually find out, you know, what is it that's going to help me to go forward in my life and actually do what I love to do. So a lot of the tools that I offer are about tuning into your intuition, learning how to listen to it um, and learning then how to take action based on that intuition. And I do that um, in lots of different ways. Um, I work with women. I do women's circles and that also in itself is a healing, um, is a space for healing. So women coming together, we set the circle and women have an opportunity to share about what's going on in their world. Um, Perhaps there's things that they need to let go of, but they need a safe space to be able to express what's happening to them. Um, taking the opportunities to actually intentionally talk about what they want in their life. Um, intention setting is something I do a lot with my the people I work with and that's really powerful because it gives you a really strong definition around the purpose and the outcome of what you want to get from something. Uh, a lot of us, from what i have come across you know have sort of don't really use intention setting as powerfully as you can so having an intention around what do I want to get from even this conversation with you jury like what do I want to get from this conversation um it might be a difficult conversation you're having with a child or a a partner it might be a meeting um or it could be something broader like what's the intention you want to get from the next six months so that's another thing that I do with with women we do that very much um, when we meet in circle and the other thing, um, which not to underestimate, and this is what you're doing right now, is that a lot of my work in my programs and my one-on-one work and coming together with women is about just sharing your story connecting, bringing things to the surface. Um, A lot of the time, there's things that are bubbling away. Um, You know, there's stuff that's sabotaging you. You don't even know that it's happening. So we take the opportunity to, and all of it's bringing that stuff to the awareness, um, and then looking at how you can then say, all right, I understand this is playing out in my world, or this is my pattern. This is what I do. And then taking, taking that choice and saying, okay, well, I know that that's happening, but this is actually where I want to go and then following that as well. So that's, that's a lot of the work I do. Um, and in a variety of different ways, I do um, meditations with women. Um, some of those are available as downloads through my um, social. So I encourage people if they want, if they're interested in doing some meditations. And a lot of it's around focusing on clearing energy, supporting energy flow, promoting healing. And it really does put put the Puts it back on the individual, which sometimes people think, "Oh, I just want someone else to fix me, or I want, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to do it." But I'm really um, a big advocate of you have the power, so I give you the tools, and then you facilitate your healing, obviously in a supported environment. But um, but giving that power back to the individual, because a lot of us sort of step out of our power, and that's where a lot of those those problems um, start to play up. Um, And then probably the other main thing I do is I – Uh, support women with intuitive writing and intuitive journaling. So a little bit different to just your standard journaling where you might open your notebook and just write down what's coming to your mind or just getting stuff off your chest. This is a bit more focused on tapping into your intuition. So I provide specific prompts around, you know, like what is in my greatest good to know right now? What's something that's currently holding me back? Like just really kind of getting more into the crux of like what's going on and using your intuition to bring that stuff to the surface um, and then allowing you to kind of either go on your day or your week. So there's some of the tools that are available and they're, they're just free downloads that people can grab any time they would like to start and then obviously I have programs where I do more specific work with people.
0: So power of intention, um, probably like um, I, you know, I read the book Magic And then, like, law of attraction? Sorry. That's okay. We are online. What's your name? What's your name?
1: This is Nicholas. (laughs) He's my baby. He's he's number three.
0: (laughs) Well, um, you talked about intention and then how you overcame your autoimmune disease. And then I don't understand the connection completely of how your intention can maybe lead to healing. So um, I think intention
1: is just setting the frame of what you would like to happen. And to be honest, at the time when I was really unwell, I wasn't using intention setting at all. I was very much at that point in time in my sort of deepest chronic pain I was surviving. There was definitely no intention setting. There was no, um, if I had any intention, it was could I get out of bed in the morning? Like we, I got stripped right back to the basics. But what it did allow me to do in that time, and I only was able to realise it once I started to feel a little more well and started to receive some help, I feel like I had to get to that point though where I was willing to accept help. Um, was then I realised that I didn't have a strong connection to myself. I didn't have a strong identity and I didn't have a strong sense of what I wanted to get from my life other than being a mum, which is beautiful. I'm a mum of three, being a wife. um, And I had at that time um, a career that had served me up to that point um, but was no longer really fulfilling me. I was just hanging on to it because I guess um sometimes the convenience, and especially when you've got a young family, a bit of money coming in the door, um it just wasn't serving me. So the intention setting came, I suppose, as I started to do my own personal work and started to learn more about how powerful it can be in terms of. Setting this, setting this intention. So every time I do a session with a woman, every time I do a group session, even when I do a circle, we sit together and one of the first things we do is we set an intention. So I will always set an intention about what is it that we want from this space and then I invite the women either to to adopt that intention or they come up with, again, and it's really about that intuitive, what do they need from this today? Um, And so it's more about understanding how that can then support you. And I think intention setting can be incredibly powerful for healing. I think it just, you just have to understand where you are on your journey. So having the intention that, you know, that you will find the resources that will support your healing or have the intention that you will connect with people that will empower you to tell your story. Like there's lots of ways you could frame it. And for every person would obviously be very different. So, but I think that power of like, Having that intention, being really clear on what you want to get as the outcome, um, even having the intention of healing. Now, that's not instantly. I'm not saying that's just going to fix you, but it's but it's when you have that that sort of forward vision of that's where you want to be, um, and then you and then the intuition part is where you then gradually take those steps to support that journey. So it doesn't all just happen you know, all right, I've made the intention now. Where is it? <laughs> um, it's more about then following those threads and following those next obvious steps to support that intention.
0: It's very interesting to talk about intention. So in Japanese, we say itoteki. So itoteki is, um, there are two Chinese characters that we use. And the e is um, will or like a opinion. But to, sometimes we use it for like a map. So maybe... In direct, in very direct translation, "ikoteki," which is intention, is mapping your opinion, mapping your um, thoughts. Yeah. So that's kind of the two characters that we use in Japanese. So it's kind of, yeah. I was thinking about that and I was thinking about what, what is the intention that you're talking about? Because in Japan, we have two intentions, which is professed intention and the real intention, which is called honne and tatemae, which is huge in our culture. Hone is the real intention and tatemae is a professed intention. where well, we never reveal what we feel um, to society. So we always like, you know, wear this social mask and then we don't reveal what we think. That's our beauty of the culture, but at the same time, it's very hard to lead people. And live with harmony, not so much conflict, but we talk stuff behind our back, which sometimes can get uglier than saying it like in your face. And I think intention can be very powerful tools to overcome a lot of things because now you're very aware and alert of what you do, like what you said about setting the intention whenever you meet with the group or people, is that you that you set the intention or clients? Sometimes you need it,
1: yeah. So, both. Um, if it's something where, um, I you know, where I'm coming in and I am just presenting at a meeting or, you know, even prior to having this conversation with you, I would just sit for a moment and choose the intention. So for, for this as the example, um, I always choose the intention that the audience will get the benefit of our shared story. So I keep it pretty general, but then I open up that intention and I hold that intention the whole way through our conversation. And so the intention then is to is that that, that is what will happen. Um, If I do something with a group, I always, so if it's actual specific work, like a circle or a program or something where we're coming together, um, I always invite them to set their own intention. So I will guide them um, perhaps to the point where I'd say, if you don't have something that specifically comes to mind, leave it open to, I choose the intention of getting the benefit of this exercise. Um, I choose the intention of, you know, um, receiving something that's going to support my journey my highest journey so you can leave it quite broad but always making sure that they have that and quite specific about sitting with it for a moment and actually choosing it so not just writing it down and sort of paying it lip service like actually putting your energy into choosing that intention so so I do both
0: <laughs> that's interesting well thank you so much for sharing that Tash so let's move on to the last question which is the gift that came from your adversity So how would you describe a gift that came from your adversity?
1: Yeah, this is such a great question. And one of my blogs I actually wrote is why I am grateful for my autoimmune condition. And I wrote, um, I actually ended up writing three parts to this blog because as my journey has unfolded, I've shared more. And it sounds like a little bit of a, perhaps a bit of an odd thing to say. Um, And I have had people say to me, why why would you be grateful for your autoimmune but I am grateful because it did afford me this gift of this um, awakening and this journey of learning more deeply about myself. And I really believe that without having had the autoimmune and the health breakdown and my identity kind of stripped back, I wouldn't have had this option of 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 finding this true path that I I believe I have basically stumbled upon and it's this gift I have for holding space for women to heal and if you had told me this 2 years ago that this is what I would be doing I would have laughed like there would there's just there was never any anything in my mind that thought this is what I would be doing and now I can't see myself doing anything different. So I suppose the gift that um, has been given to me is this privilege of working with women and um, supporting their healing journey and uh, supporting them to connect back to themselves and every day I learn new things, I learn more about myself, I keep adding tools to my toolkit and I'm just loving being um, more curious than I've ever been, being keen to grow grow, uh, and just I feel like the more I learn, um, and I'm going to butcher the saying, but it's like the more you know, the more you know what you don't know. (laughs) So it's just that evolution. And so, yeah, so the gift to me every day is being able to have these conversations being able to share my story, um, and share it with, with that humility and vulnerability and vulnerability is such a big thing for me. I made that commitment. I set that intention a long time ago when I started to share it, that I would always just share it with, I would share with the truth. Um, I wouldn't steer away from, from what was authentically going on, even if that was uncomfortable for me and uncomfortable for other people to hear. Uh, but, but I, knew, I know that in doing that, it will reach the people that need to hear it. And so I just stay true to that, knowing that, that this is the gift I've been given and so, um, you know, not to waste it and, yeah, not to waste this opportunity.
0: Well, thank you very much for sharing um, the gift. And um, I am very grateful that you came to the show and shared your journey with us. Today.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, before we end the podcast, I would like to give you an opportunity to give an advice for somebody who is going through what you went through.
1: Yes. Um, so, my advice would be to just stay with what is true in your heart. If there is something that has been perhaps niggling at the back of your mind, or there's something that you perhaps have been thinking about, but you don't know how that's going to work, or there's other things that are coming in to, to tell you that it can't be done or it can't be true. I My advice is to follow that. And life is so short. Um, and I think I'm lucky that at 30 six I had this realization that I wanted to completely swift shift paths so for me if there's anyone out there listening and they feel like oh you know there there is this thing and perhaps pain showing up in your life that can be a way that something is perhaps not in alignment or um, an opportunity for you to have a little look at what's going on I encourage you to do that and and Give it a go. Whatever that thing is or that thing you've been putting off or the thing you've been pushing down, just go with it. Um, So that's my
0: advice. Well, beautiful. Thank you so much again for your time and sharing your story um, on A Gift from Adversity podcast. I really appreciate you coming today and sharing um, all that story with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, again, for tuning in. I have more guests coming in. And check out Again from Adversity podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and also Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you again, everyone. Have a great night.